following is a message at Living Savior Church in Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. To learn more, go to lsavior.org. Imagine sitting there, and then right across the table from you sits an ordinary man, so it seems. His name is John. He's an elderly man. He's using his cane, finds a chair, and sits right across from you, and then all of a sudden he starts to tell his story, and this ordinary man is quite an extraordinary past. You see, John's roots go back to Prague, go back to Czechoslovakia. He was just a little boy, a drop in the bucket, a face among a massive crowd of people who were now helpless and homeless. As he was far on the outskirts, close to the dread, the dying, and the terror of the Nazi regime that was soon to take over, he was rescued and swept up. And why? What does a kid have to do? It's not like he knew what was going on, but the work of Nicholas Winton and many others, just as you had heard earlier, was the work that put him on one of those trains. <clears throat> so that he would be brought from a place where he would only know fear, where he would only know terror, where he would never again experience anything that is peace and stability and security, and be brought to a place that you and, all, you and I both want, you and I all need, a place that we call home. You see, that idea of home is much more deep than just having a house with some two-by-fours and some drywall with hopefully no cracks in the wall. But rather, this place where we feel and get from one another everything that God has designed us to have and to hold dear, this home. So what was it that caused this guy, by the name of John, to be this guy that was swept up among the many? Again, he was just a, a drop in the bucket. Well, as the author of a book sat down at this men's breakfast, he didn't really want to attend, and this elderly man sat across from him in this scenario. Imagine being there where this author was, and this ordinary man sits down, and all of a sudden he starts to tell his story. John does, do you think, if you and I were in that scene? At a breakfast we really didn't want to be at, that all of a sudden things would get just a little bit more exciting, as John, who no longer is ordinary, but has quite the extraordinary story, starts to tell it, we would probably lean in, and listen to every single word. And do you know how this author begins to describe this conversation that he has with John? Aside from being at this breakfast, he didn't really want to be at it. He says, there was this guy by the name of John, this elderly man. That's the way he describes it. It's almost like it's a happenstance, like it's an accident or something, and that's it. It's, it's almost exactly like the way we hear these guys introduced that we're about to hear. How were they introduced? And there were shepherds. Like, where did they come from? There's no mention of them in chapter 1. No mention of them earlier in chapter 2. They, all of a sudden, it's just like happenstance. Random, accident, plain, ordinary. And, and by the way, there were shepherds living out in the fields. If, that's, if there was a pause, an intermission, and you had to leave and then come back and think like, well, what's up with the shepherds and why are they here? Who... Do you know why God includes this? That's exactly why we get this every single Christmas Eve, and why some of us even have it memorized in the deep, deep bottoms of our hearts, and we can even recite these words. But have you ever thought of why? Why God goes out of his way as the Holy Spirit inspires Luke to say, and they were shepherds? Well, why them? This part of the Gospel of Luke chapter 2 could go one million ways that are much more interesting and much more important. There were still people 
Back then, the world's still the same in a lot of ways. We were at the heights of success. We were at the tops of the popularity charts. We were more powerful. We were more important. We were more significant. And it could go, and then there were kings and queens in their palaces. And that would kind of be a little bit more interesting, wouldn't it? I mean, like, who doesn't like a little royalty drama? This could be the beginning of one. Oh, and there were all of these elite in all of this entire nation. And so, God appeared to this entire nation. He could appear to anyone. He could have appeared to everyone and caused the entire globe to roll out like a flat two-dimensional piece of paper so that everyone could see. But no, how does it go? How does it go? And there were... That's it? Shepherds. Okay. Who are these guys? I mean, Bethlehem's not that far from Jerusalem. And so Bethlehem is known for its, its flocks and its herd. And so, sure, there's a lot of commerces. There's a lot of sacrifices going on in Jerusalem. So, okay, they're part of some industry, but at best, they're grunts. And at worst, they're outcasts. So who are these guys? These guys are nomads. They're wanderers. They're, they're living out in the fields. These aren't the guys that are perceived to be noble. These aren't your white-collar guys. Maybe not even blue-collar. Could be even the bottom rung on the societal ladder. They, that's who these guys are. They're unkempt. They're considered to be unclean. They're not the type of guy where if your daughter comes home and says, I'm dating one of the shepherds, you jump for joy. Try again, little girl. Wrong side of the tracks kind of guys. And where are they living? They're living out in the fields. Is it because that they like to live out in the fields? And they're sacrificing for their families? Or is it because they don't have families? Is it because they prefer, like, good old rancher boys to live out in the fields? Or is it because, despite their best efforts to make that their home, they really don't have a home? Who are these guys? These people who are nobodies, they're nothings, they're insignificant. We would never have raised our hand had God not mentioned them and said, oh, what about the shepherds? What about the shepherds? There's no beginning part of Luke 2 where we're saying, I can't wait to hear about the shepherds. Had you never heard of them? They're totally forgettable, total nobodies, just like, well, seemingly ordinary John. And come to think of it, who is John <laughs> at first glance? Who are these shepherds? Who am I? And who are you? Last time I checked, and I didn't sniff test all of you, not all of you came in smelling like shepherds. Wives don't know your husbands. Not all of you look like shepherds either. In fact, none of you. But each of us came with our own baggage, didn't we? Maybe it's the distance that we feel in our relationships, as was referenced before. We're not living out in fields, but sometimes the friction and the fractures that happen in our home make it seem like living out in the field would be a better place than the place we call home. The words that spouses and children and parents and siblings can say to one another, that won't so deep, can make the field look quite attractive. And then come to think of it, each of us, we, we may not smell like a shepherd, but there are certain odors of our past mistakes that fill us with shame and guilt that is far worse, and only we could erase it. And then Christmas all of a sudden has a way of throwing it right in front of our face again. And then we think of the distance in another way, is that they're living out in the fields nearby, maybe we can relate. It's, it's not the distance that we feel from people who are 
It's the distance as we find ourselves living far away from the people who maybe aren't here. It's no surprise that this time of year brings an increase of anxiety and grief and depression. Maybe because our job is not as low caste as a shepherd, but it brings so many responsibilities and burdens, and all for what? As we find ourselves feeling empty, we find ourselves missing those loved ones that we can't celebrate Christmas with this year. We find ourselves distanced from people who live far away, and maybe part of the reason they're far away is because of us. Each of us, although we can look at the shepherd and say, who are they? We can find ourselves looking no farther than the person we see in the mirror and say to ourselves, who am I? I know I say that, especially today. Who am I? Somebody who is otherwise unnoticed, nobody, nothing special. Nothing interesting, and yet, on a night, especially like tonight, especially at Christmas, God has a way of proving to us that although we might seem unnoticeable and unreachable, forgettable and otherwise worthy of the Passover, God has a way of reaching the unreachable and never, ever forgetting those who would otherwise be forgotten. Look at the shepherds, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, and as if God was extending his divine index finger, what does he do? He gives this most special messenger in all of the universe one mission and one mission alone. And the kings are not even worthy of it. He doesn't care if you think the social media to hear it first. That doesn't matter. And there were shepherds, and they are nobodies, and they need to hear it first. And the reason God does that of all the things is because of grace for them. But you and I get to overhear all of this why. So you and I, you and I can find ourselves among the mass of people who are otherwise nobodies. And we cannot say anything except this. God never forgets you. And God never overlooks you. There's never a day when you can think that you were a nobody who somehow skirts outside of the umbrella of God's grace. For if he extends his divine index finger to send the angel to go to those people, what makes you think that that finger of God's grace and love doesn't extend to you as well? And just in case you think you're right, don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. What did the angels say? Today, in the town of David, just as God promised, a Savior has been born. And it could be fine if that's where God stopped. Period. A Savior has been born. And everything would have gone on as planned. And God would have kept all of his promises. And everything would be good. And we would have forgiveness and peace eternal. And that would be fine. But that's not where the story ends. What does he say? A Savior has been born. Children, whether you are five months, five years, five decades or more, hold up your little fingers. All of you. And you can say a Savior has been born to you. But if that applies to everybody, you also know that it applies to me and to you. There's no amount of baggage that you brought. There's no amount of stench to your sin. There's no amount of fear over death or the future or worry or grief that could ever separate you from God's love of a farther than night number one, where God extends his love to you. You could never be forgotten, and you could never be overlooked. He even gives them the exact sign. There's only one child in Bethlehem who's going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes and placed in a manger. This is going to be the sign to you, and then he sends them so that they can go and see. And then what can they do? Except be filled with joy. That's exactly what John did, John did when he sat across the table. This ordinary man, what did he do? 
Did he have some kind of humble story like, oh yeah, so there was a train, Nazi Germany, you know, no big deal. Is that kind of how he tells the story? Like, yeah, I could have been killed, concentration camp, or, you know, saved by Nicholas Winton. But, you know, anyways, what's the weather like tomorrow? Is that how the story goes? Or goes? Or is that how, how it goes if we were telling the story? Either go. Mary treasures of all these things, and one of these treasures, except nobodies and outcasts like shepherds come to see their Savior. And you and I get that too. Whether this is new to you, and you think that this can't really be true or real, then why don't God reach the seemingly unreachable? And that would even include you. Or whether you've known this since you were a little kid singing away in a manger, does God not possess treasures that can be unwrapped inside your heart as you get to share this joy too? Treasures that, yes, they are old as Jesus himself, as old as time, but they are always and forever, not just annually, but even daily truth. So God comes to make us home, not only in the most unlikely of places, but even among the most unlikely of people in a place like this, with people like us, so that we would never, ever know a day without our Savior. Today in the town of David, the Savior's born to you. He's Christ the Lord.